Hare Krishna, everyone. Hare Krishna. Welcome back to Shravanam Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Sulalita Devidasi, and we are continuing to read teachings of Lord Chaitanya by His Divine Grace, Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, Chapter 23. Why study the Vedanta Sutra? Hmm. Unscrupulous persons go at once to the tenth canto especially to the five chapters in which Srila Vyasadeva has kindly described the Lord's Rasa dance. However, this portion of Srimad Bhagavatam is the most confidential part of that great literature. Unless one is thoroughly accomplished in the transcendental knowledge of the Lord, one is sure to misunderstand the Lord's worshipable transcendental pastimes in the rasa dance and his loving dealings with the gopis. This subject matter is highly spiritual and technical, and only liberated personalities who have gradually attained the stage of Paramahamsa can transcendentally relish the worshipable rasa dance. Therefore, Srila Vyasadeva gives the reader a chance to gradually develop in spiritual realization before actually relishing the essence of the pastimes of the Lord. Thus, at the beginning, Vyasadeva purposefully, purposefully invokes the Gayatri Mantra with the word Dhimahi. The Gayatri Mantra is especially meant for spiritually advanced people. When one attains success in chanting the Gayatri Mantra, he can enter into the transcendental position of the Lord. But in order to chant the Gayatri Mantra successfully, one must first acquire the Brahminical qualifications and become perfectly situated in the mode of goodness. From that point, one can begin to transcendentally realize the Lord, His name, His fame, His qualities, etc. Srimad Bhagavatam is a narration dealing with the Svarupa, form of the Lord, which is manifested by His internal potency. This potency is distinguished from the external potency, which has manifested the whole cosmic world within our existence. Srila Vyasadeva makes a clear distinction between the internal, internal and the external potencies. In the very first verse of the first chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam, in that verse, he says that the internal potency is factual reality, whereas the external manifested energy in the form of material existence is temporary and illusory, no more real than a mirage in the desert. Water may appear present in a mirage, but real water is somewhere else. 
Similarly, the manifested cosmic creation appears to be reality. Sorry. Uh -huh. But it is simply a reflection of the true reality which exists in the spiritual world. In the spiritual world, there are no mirages. Absolute truth is there. It is not here in the material world. Here, everything is relative truth, with one apparent truth depending upon another. This cosmic creation results from an interaction with three modes of material nature. The temporary manifestations are so created as to present an illusion of reality to the bewildered mind of the conditioned soul, who appears in so many species of life, including higher demigods like Brahma, Indra, Chandra, and so on. In fact, there is no reality in the manifested world, but there appears to be reality because of the true reality in the spiritual world, where the personality of Godhead eternally resides with his transcendental paraphernalia. The chief engineer of a complicated construction does not personally take part in the construction itself, but it is only he who knows every nook and corner of the construction because everything is carried out under his direction only. In other words, he knows everything about the construction directly and indirectly. Similarly, the personality of Godhead, who is the supreme engineer of this cosmic creation, knows very well, very well, what is happening in every nook and corner of the cosmic creation, although activities appear to be performed by someone else. In actuality, from Brahma down to the insignificant end, no one, no one is independent in the material creation. The hand of the Supreme Lord is everywhere. All material elements, as well as all spiritual sparks, are but emanations from Him only. Whatever is created in this material world is a result of the interaction of these two energies, material and spiritual, which emanate from the Absolute Truth, the Personality of Godhead, Shri Krishna Vasudeva. A living entity known as a chemist can manufacture water in the lab laboratory by mixing hydrogen and oxygen. But in reality the living entity works under the direction of the Supreme Lord, and all the materials he uses are supplied by the Lord. Thus the Lord knows everything directly and indirectly, in minute detail. 
and he is fully independent as well. He can be compared to a gold mine and the objects within the cosmic creation can be compared to ornaments made from that gold, such as gold rings, gold necklaces and so on. The gold ring and necklace are qualitatively one with the gold in the mine, but quantitatively the gold in the mine and the gold in the ring or necklace are different. The complete philosophy of the absolute truth, therefore, centers about the fact that the absolute truth is simultaneously one with and different from his creation. Nothing is absolutely equal to the absolute truth, but at the same time nothing is independent of the absolute truth. Conditioned souls from Brahma, the engineer of this particular universe, down to an insignificant ant, are all creating something. But none of them are independent of the Supreme Lord. The materialist wrongly thinks that there is no creator, but his own good self. And this misconception is called Maya or illusion. Due to his poor fund of knowledge, the materialist cannot see beyond the purview of his imperfect senses. Thus, he thinks that matter automatically takes its own shape, independent of a conscious background. This is refuted by Srila Vyasadeva in the first verse of Srimad Bhagavatam. As stated before, Vyasadeva is a liberated soul and he compiled this book of authority after attaining spiritual perfection. Since the complete whole or the absolute truth is a source of everything, nothing is independent of him. In one sense, everything that exists is the body of the absolute truth. Everything that exists is the body of the absolute truth. Any action or reaction of a part of a body becomes a cognizable fact to the embodied soul. Similarly, since the creation is the body of the absolute truth, then everything in the creation is known to the absolute both directly and indirectly. In the Shruti Mantra, it is stated that the Absolute Whole, or Brahman, is the ultimate source of everything. Everything emanates from Him. Everything is maintained by Him. And at the end, everything enters into Him again. That is the law of nature. This is confirmed in the Smriti Mantra. There it is said that at the beginning of Brahma's millennium, the source from which everything emanates is the Absolute Truth or Brahman. And that at the end of that millennium, 
the reservoir into which everything enters is that same absolute truth. Mm. Material scientists haphazardly take it for granted that the ultimate source of this planetary system is the sun, but they are unable to explain the source of the sun. In the first verse of Srimad Bhagavatam, the ultimate source is explained. According to the Vedic literature, Brahma is the creator of this universe. But because he had to meditate to receive the inspiration for such creation, he is not the ultimate creator. As stated in the first verse of Srimad Bhagavatam, Brahma was taught Vedic knowledge by the Personality of Godhead. There it is said that the Supreme Lord inspired Brahma, the secondary creator, and enabled him to carry out his creative functions. I wanted to say fruitive activities. <laughs> to carry out his creative functions. In this way, the Supreme Lord is the supervising engineer. The real mind behind all creative agents is the Absolute Personality of Godhead, Shri Krishna. In the Bhagavad Gita 9.10, Shri Krishna himself states that it is he only who superintends the creative energy, Prakriti, the sum total of matter. Thus. Shri Vyasadeva worships neither Brahma nor the Sun, but the Supreme Lord, who guides both Brahma and the Sun in their creative activities. Hmm. Mm. The Sanskrit words Abhigya and Svarat appearing in the first verse of Srimad Bhagavatam are significant. These two words distinguish the Lord from all living entities. No living entity other than the Supreme Being, the Absolute Personality of Godhead, is either Abhigya or Svarat, that is, none of them are either fully cognizant or fully independent. So, Abhigya is fully cognizant, meaning he knows everything. And Svarat means fully independent. Everyone has to receive knowledge from his superior, even Brahma, who is the first living being within this material world, has to meditate upon the Supreme Lord and take help from him in order to create. If neither Brahma nor the Sun can create anything without acquiring knowledge from a superior, then what to speak of the material scientists who are fully dependent on so many things? Modern scientists like Jagadisha Chandra Bose, Isaac Newton, 
Albert, Albert Einstein, etc. may boast of their respective creative energies, but all were dependent on the Supreme Lord for so many things. After all, the highly intelligent brains of these gentlemen were certainly not products of any human being. The brains were created by another agent. If brains like those of Einstein or Newton could have been manufactured by a human being, then mankind would produce many such brains instead of eulogizing these scientists. If such scientists cannot even manufacture such brains, what to speak of foolish scientists, foolish atheists, <laughs> respect to scientists, what to speak of foolish atheists who defy the authority of the Lord. Even the Mayavadi impersonalists who flatter themselves that they have become the Lord are not Abhigya or Svarat, fully cognizant or fully independent. The Mayavadi monists undergo a severe process of austerity and penance to acquire the knowledge needed for becoming one with the Lord. But ultimately they become dependent on some rich, powerful follower who supplies them with requisite paraphernalia to construct great monasteries and temples. Atheists like Ravana and Hiranyakashipu had to undergo severe austerities before they could flout the authority of the Lord, but ultimately they were so helpless that they could not save themselves when the Lord appeared before them as cruel death. This is also applicable to the modern atheists who dare flout the authority of the Lord. Such atheists will be dealt the same awards as were given in the past to great atheists like Ravana and Hiranyakashipu. History repeats itself, and what occurred in the past will recur again and again when there is necessity. Whenever the authority of the Lord is neglected, the penalties dealt by the laws of nature are always there. We're going to stop here for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. The link to this book is in the description. Please check out our website shravanamdiaries.com and we shall see you next time. Hare Krishna.